0: Today's Bible reading comes from the book of Ephesians, chapter five, from verse 15 to 21. And that's found on page 949 in the Church Bibles. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Friends, it's great to be together on this day, on Father's Day. Uh, Our theme uh, this morning is not on fathers, it's on uh, continuing our series in the book uh, on the theme of the Holy Spirit and we're looking at the theme of the fullness of the Holy Spirit today and last week we looked at, uh, if you weren't here, we looked at the fact that we are called, when we come to Christ, uh, we are baptised with the Spirit, means we receive the Holy Spirit and then there's an ongoing filling of the Holy Spirit that helps us to live God's way. And so if someone would ask me what I would want for you, if you're a father on Father's Day, and what I would want for mothers, or for everyone, and everyone else, whether you're a father or mother or not, I would want you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what I would want for you. And uh, and I would want that I would be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so let me listen carefully I don't want you to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, because if you're in Christ, you're already baptized with the Holy Spirit, and, uh, but I want you to be filled. You know, there's a misunderstanding in Christian churches and debates about the best way to understand this, and I remember being at, uh, at a Youth Alive rally when they used to exist many years ago, and uh, the speaker said at the end of the, the function, said, come out the front if you want to become a Christian. And so many people, uh, young people, will move to the front. To become Christians, then later he said, uh, "Come out the front if you want to be baptized with the Spirit and speaking in tongues to get a new power to live for God." Which was the second stage. Um, I think they're incorrect in how they divide those two things up. Another uh, time, a friend of mine attended a charismatic church, and by the way, I used to quite regularly attend Pentecostal charismatic churches in my early days and twenties. Um, and she went out the front, and uh, the leaders laid on our hands on them, because for a period we thought, well, we have this new power, we need to get it by being baptised with the Spirit and speaking in tongues, and that was the, the thing, right, for a period of time. And it's not as much these days, I don't think, but in that, that period of time, that was the thing. You'd go to functions, and the the end of the sermon, it was all about coming forward, people lay their hands on you, and so you can start speaking in strange tongues. But my friend, as they laid hands on her, uh, didn't speak in tongues. I said, well, no, just, just keep believing, keep tra- trusting God. And the men, after a while, said, well, just repeat what I say, and the gifts of tongues will come. Feeling, it never came, by the way, for, for her, feeling like I needed this, they were trying to say, you need this new spiritual thing. As a young adult attending a church in the Shire, which has gone through multiple name changes, and a big church in Sutherland, I went there, and when I first arrived, the young people, or young adults, said to me, Oh, listen, mate, uh, have you been baptized with the Spirit? He said, I have. Because I have. And he said, oh, Do you speak in tongues? I, I said, uh, Well, just Greek and English. Uh, <laughs> but you see, at that period of time, in, uh, it was the uh, 80s, 90s, it was the big thing that the sign that uh, you were really in, you had this new power, you spoke in tongues. And it's still the case in some churches. But see, every Christian, as we saw last week, has been baptised with the Holy Spirit. It's an initial blessing. God comes to live in you, to then start to transform you. But then the question is, why then are some Christians powerfully used of God, and others aren't? Some people just seem to be powering on for God, and others are just, you know, meddling around a little bit. And I think the answer is the fullness of the Spirit. Amongst other things, because I think the fullness of the Spirit speaks about all of our Christian life. But uh, exploring that. And when we speak of baptism with the Spirit, we're talking about a once-for-all gift. When we speak of the fullness of the Spirit, we're acknowledging that this gift needs to be continuously and increasingly appropriated. Let's see what the Bible has to say. First, of being filled with the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, uh, God poured out, this is the language you use, He poured out, the Spirit from heaven, Acts 2.18, and thus baptized with the Holy Spirit, the first 120, then the 3,000 who were converted at the end of the preaching of the gospel in Acts chapter 2. It was also said that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts 2.4. So baptized, received, filled with the Holy Spirit, all used interchangeably for that conversion experience, the coming of the Holy Spirit upon them. But let me say the Bible also implies that as well as the initial filling with the Holy Spirit, there's an ongoing filling. And this is what we're going to look at this morning. D.L. Moody was asked why he needed to be filled continually with the Holy Spirit. He replied, because I leak. It's a bit like that. You know, it's, so sometimes we get slack in our Christian walk. We don't follow Christ closely. We're not praying. We're not reading the scriptures. We're not gathering with God's people. All of a sudden, we live as if we have no spirit. There's, there's no dynamic within us that causes us to be transformed, to be effective in witness and power. I leak. And people are, are filled again, I think, as a fresh crisis or challenge demands a fresh empowering by the Spirit. We see that in Acts 4.31, for example. Three main categories, and um, we'll get to Ephesians 5 a little while later. I think it's implied that to be full or filled with the Spirit was a normal characteristic of every dedicated Christian as well. Uh, you remember in Acts chapter 6, verses 3-5, to 5, The seven were set apart for the care of the Jerusalem widows. They had to be full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom. So it's find people amongst your church who are full of the Holy Spirit. There's a certain level of depth of uh, Christian commitment and, and maturity in this. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. The Apostle saying, this proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Prochorus, Nicana, Timon, Parnamus, and Nicholas from Antioch, had convert to Judaism. We go to Acts 11.24. Barnabas is described as a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. Notice that, that expression keeps being used. Acts 13.52. The newly converted disciples of Pisidian Antioch were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So I think God intends Christians to be filled with or full of the Holy Spirit. And I think it signifies someone who is habitually governed and controlled by the Spirit, just as Jesus was. How will you know that they are full of the Holy Spirit? How will you know that they are filled? Well, they're going to exhibit the fruit of the Holy Spirit. They'll exhibit Christ-likeness. Secondly, the expression sometimes indicates an endowment for a particular ministry or office. Now, with John the Baptist, and this is before the outpouring of the Spirit in Acts chapter 2, it said he would be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb, in preparation, it seems, for his prophetic ministry. So that's a little bit like the Old Testament saints. Remember, we saw last week, sometimes God gave his Spirit to a prophet or to a king for a task. But in Acts chapter 2, we have the Spirit now falling on all believers. And Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul of Tarsus, formerly a persecutor of the church, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, he has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So the Apostle Paul, or Saul, who was an enemy of Christ, converted, and now he receives and is filled with the Holy Spirit. And it could be that his filling now is to set him apart as an apostle for the work of the gospel. Thirdly, there are occasions where the fullness of the Spirit was given to people for an immediate task, and some of you may have experienced that. You're in a situation, and you just sense that God is present in a powerful way, and, and He just gives you the words to speak, or he gives you motivation to go and do something. So, before Peter addressed the Sanhedrin in Acts chapter four, verse eight, the Bible says he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he preached boldly. Right? He's before the enemies. Having to give an account of his faith, Filled, God empowers him to do this. After the believers call out to God in prayer in the face of opposition, Acts 4.31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Filled, preaching boldly. When Stephen was about to be martyred in Acts chapter 7, 54 to 56, it says, when they heard this, They were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. They were angry at Stephen. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Acts chapter 13, verse 9, for example. Paul rebukes Elemas, the sorcerer on the island of Cyprus. Listen to the language again. Then Saul, who was called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elemas and said... You're a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You're full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Filled with the Holy Spirit, had an empower, to correct, and to rebuke, and to speak the truth. Friends, there have been a few incidents in my life, there's only two or three, where I've sensed this overpowering work of the Spirit of God in my life in that sense. Most of the times so we're just living for Jesus, praying, working. Every so often you're in a situation, as it's happened on beach missions, as you preach the gospel, as you engage with people, It happened in other situations. But for me, one of the most profound situations, and if you've been here for a while, and know you've heard it before. But I was in a Sydney Teachers College, I, I trained to be a mathematics teacher, and I worked as a teacher for a number of years. But I think I was in about second year, and they took the math teachers away for a uh, retreat, a camp. Now, having four years of math teachers together on a camp, dull as, right? We got no creative juices anywhere. And we were meant to do a program that night. So one of the things you do is you come up with some creative thing. You do drama and singing. And we went, (laughs) no, we're not doing any of that. Uh, But earlier that day, I noticed that um, some of the girls were being quite racist against uh, some of our members. Uh, The whole idea of uh, Muslim... Uh, women in, at City Teachers College with a hijab. She was the first one. And some people were making quite inappropriate comments, and as someone who knew Christ, and it's uh, from a uh, multicultural background, uh, I just... God gave me a, a deep passion that I needed to pray for this whole group. And in, and some of the second-year girls were sort of having it off with the first-year boys, and they're coming out, and, uh, and we're just going... There is so much sin in the house, right, in this place, I'm thinking. And, and sometimes, as a 19-year-old, there's a conviction of God. So I just walked around the campsite. So I just had to get away. And I just prayed, God, would you do something? Would you break into the lives of these people? And I shed tears as I prayed. And I just thought, God, they need Jesus. Later that night, we just, you know, forgot about it. We had dinner and then we went back uh, because we weren't going to put on a concert, right? We're math teachers. And so we just hung out in one of the dorms. You know, it's about eight, six or eight beds in the dorm, and so we all went in there, we we're playing cards and talking, and said before I had a jacket which had a fish sticker on it, a fish embroidery thing, which said, another student for Christ. No mucking around at university, right? There's wussy Christians these days, we've got to hide our Christianity, we're just out there, right? And I'm on my knees in the middle of this room with about 20 people in this room, and one person said, why do you have that on your tracksuit? That's not a bad question to be asked. So I explained that because I was a follower of Jesus and the most important thing in my life was to help people know Jesus. And then someone else asked a question, someone else asked a question, someone else asked a question. Someone up the top, of the, one of the oldest students, a female student, she said, oh, and she thought she'd catch me out and she asked some question about, about sexuality. They always try to catch Christians out talking about sex. You know, what is this? You think we, we don't know about sex? We're human, right? And, and so I was able to say, you know, in the Bible, in this passage, in this passage, it says this, this, and this. And it was her eyes just opened up. And friends, literally a couple of hours later, I stopped answering questions. And I thought, from I'm on my knees in the middle, looking everywhere, answering questions about the gospel. Now, why did that happen? Why was I filled with the Holy Spirit? Because I think I was praying, and I was seeking to be close to God, and I, I cared for those people. And sometimes God just gives you that empowering to answer all types of questions, not for five minutes, because someone tried to shut down the conversation, and God just kept opening up. You know, I remember when my mother passed away, and um, dealing with the, the, the Greek Orthodox priests at the services, and my older brother mentioned to uh, the priest, oh, by the way, my brother's a Baptist minister, and so I made some interesting conversations uh, at the funeral of my mother, and we, we got to talk, and... Uh, And then, you know, at the reception afterwards, uh, at the wake, whatever you call it, uh, my relatives who don't really believe in God would say, "Oh, you know, life—you die, and that's it." I said, "This is my mother's funeral here. You know, we pray that there's more to life than simply you die." And so I went over to the priest. I said, "Guys, you got—you got some problems with those Greek people over there. You know, your people—they don't believe in Jesus, death, and resurrection." He said, "Yeah, I know. It's a hard job we have." (laughs) The priest said, "I said they like coming to church. They like us serving them for their baptisms." for their weddings, and for their funerals, but not much else. And so we're having a, a, a challenge, and challenge, I'm challenging the Orthodox priest on the salvation by by grace and by faith. And I remember uh, someone said, I preached two days after my mother died on a Sunday night service. I said, no, no, I'm, I'm still good to preach, because I find that when you are stretched to the limit, God empowers you by His Spirit to do His work. And I remember preaching... Um, as I did, I don't know the topic. I didn't even. I was going to look it up to see what I did preach, but I just finished, and people just went, "Wow!" Just like your mother just died. I said, "There's something about God gives you the strength and an empowering. Sometimes the most difficult times to be most effective in your preaching and your witnessing and your serving. Uh, don't think you're lim- God is limited by our energy and strength. He empowers us by His Spirit." A few years ago, we had 25 people at our Christianity Explained course to be up there preaching the gospel over six weeks, all these people hungry to learn, filled by the Holy Spirit to do his work. Millard Sleeman was uh, with us on a uh, retreat. We went up to the Central Coast with our pastoral team a couple of years ago to the Reach Out Conference, and, and we went out to, uh, for coffee together as a team, and Millard saw the two people sitting together. He said, I just sense God wants me to go and talk to them. Milad does a lot of that, and uh, if you don't know Milad, he's an evangelist in Lebanon, coming home soon. Um, and I said, "You sure?" I said, oh, "I just feel I need to go and talk to them." And as he started to engage with them, and um, I found out the man had cancer and he's been having treatment, and he was quite low and didn't know how long he had to live, and 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 they, they no, he never had coffee with us. He was there for half an hour to an hour with them. And then he said, well, can I pray for you? And then he started to pray for them, just pray that God would minister to them in the midst of their need. Filled with the Holy Spirit, open to what God is doing, and following those paths. But secondly, as well as the empowering for specific roles, the Bible says we must go on being filled with the Spirit. We'll go to Ephesians now, chapter 5. An important passage on the fullness of the Spirit. It says, do not get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Firstly, in verse 18, God gives us a command to be filled with the Spirit. I'm going to do a little bit of grammar now on this verse, just to help you'd understand the sense of what this is saying. Because four points about the verb, be filled, the verb in the Greek. The verb is in what is called the imperative mood. To be filled is not a tentative proposal or a mild recommendation, but it is an authoritative command. It's an imperative mood. So yes, be filled, right? And just as we speak the truth in love, Ephesians 4.13, we are kind and compassionate, Ephesians 4.32, We pursue purity in life, Ephesians 5, we must be filled with the Spirit, right? We do all those things. We must do that. It's an imperative. It's no optional extra. Secondly, the verb is in a plural form. In other words, it is addressed to the whole Christian community. All of you be filled with the Holy Spirit. None of us is to get drunk. All of us are to be Spirit-filled. The fullness of the Spirit is not an elitist privilege, Though sometimes God will just place His Spirit and His fullness on you for a task, but available for all the people of God. Thirdly, the verb is in the passive voice. In other words, it's be filled. Let the Holy Spirit fill you. In other words, passive means you you receive from, from God the fullness of the Holy Spirit. You yield to Him without reserve. You turn away from the things that grieve God and His Spirit and allow the Spirit to fill you. It's significant that the parallel passage in Colossians reads, it doesn't say, let the Spirit fill you, but it says, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. And let me suggest to you, if you're allowing the Word of God to dwell in you richly, you're going to be filled with the Spirit, because you're allowing the Word of God to change you and to drive you and to give you a passion for the things of God. And finally, it's in the present tense, the verb, which means the action is continuous, and as be filled or go on being filled. See, we're, we were filled when we received the Spirit, but also we had to go on being filled. Go on being filled, because that's the other guy said earlier. Because we leak, right? I mean, go on. Stay close to God. Be open to God. And John Stott says, "Fullness of the Spirit is not a once for all experience which we can never lose, but a privilege to be renewed continuously." by continuous believing and obedient appropriation. Go on being filled. I said, someone said, well, how? Through worship, God-centered focus and delight. Through the Word of God, being transformed by the truth. Through prayer and spiritual alertness, coming close to God, depending upon Him. I guess as I did out in that campsite, with all those mass teachers, just walking, crying out to God, that I'll be close to God, I want to be effective for God, I want to be used by God. I'll be full of His Spirit. Fellowship, decommunion with God and with one another. Witness, spontaneous, faithful, naturally speaking the good news of Christ. Friends, when you it full of the Holy Spirit, you just can't help yourself. Amen? You You had an opportunity, you've got to tell them it's good news. And surrender. There's nothing more powerful than a surrendered life in the hands of God. So sometimes we like to run our lives. But we need to surrender to him. Thirdly, the marks of the Spirit's fullness. There are many marks, but I'll just pick up some marks here out of Ephesians 5. Notice he says, uh, first, a comparison between drunkenness and the Holy Spirit's fullness. Do not get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. There are superficial similarities between those two conditions. A person who is drunk... We say it's under the influence, so the police tell us. They're under the influence of alcohol, right? And certainly a spirit-filled Christian is under the influence and power of the Holy Spirit. But I think the uh, comparison ends there, and then it's contrasting. Because the person under the influence of alcohol loses control. They do crazy things. They are no longer in control. But the person who's under the influence of the Holy Spirit... One of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is self-control. You control what you say, what you do, how you treat people. The result of drunkenness is debauchery, he says. Wild, uncontrolled behavior. Some of the best Christians, when they have become drunk, have done terrible things. Isn't that true? Be very, very careful how much you drink. This is coming from someone who drinks nothing. <laughs> I'm a complete non drink of I've had a sip every so often. But if you do drink, be very careful. It doesn't take much to send you over the edge and you say inappropriate things. You make coarse jokes, etc. But we won't go there. That's another sermon. Just be careful because it leads to debauchery. I remember a student, I I taught once and I was just a student teacher and uh, I used to, it was Canary Boys and his name was Paul and I remember because all these young Greek guys played soccer, and I was into soccer, so it was good. We just talked about soccer most of the time, a little bit of maths in between. And, um, and I saw him a few weeks later on the street. Oh, I said, I won't believe what happened. I said, what happened? Because I shared Jesus with them it's in the classroom. Don't tell anyone. Um, they just asked. I had to give him an answer. Um, and he, I said, what happened? He said, oh, I went out with some mates. had a few drinks. He was 15 or 16. And he said, they videotaped me. Afterwards, so what do you mean they videotaped you? Just to see what I was like, and they played it back to me. I never knew how bad I was. So I was stumbling, I was falling all over the place, I was saying stupid things. I was a danger to myself, he said. It's interesting, a young guy, when you play the video back, because people say, oh, I'm okay, I'm okay, I can handle things. Play them the video. Debauchery. But the results of being filled with the Holy Spirit are different. Alcohol dehumanize, the abuse of alcohol dehumanizes, turning people into brute beasts. The fullness of Christ makes us more human, makes us more like Christ. What are four beneficial results of being filled with the Spirit here? Fellowship. We speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. The first evidence Paul gives of being filled with the Holy Spirit is that we speak to each other in the context of public worship. That's what we're doing this morning. That's what we do in all of our service. We speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. It's not surprising, for the first fruit of the Spirit is love, and we love to be together. So you, I hope that when you came this morning, you looked forward to gathering with God's people, to sing together, to encourage each other. Because as we sing, There is Only One Gospel, or as we sing, Oh, Happy Day, because Jesus, take my sins away. That is, we sing it to God, you sing it to one another, and you think, oh, no better place to be than together with the people of God. Friends, if you're full of the Spirit of God, you want to be in the place with God's people. And when someone wants to say to me, oh, I'm full of the Spirit of God, I'm close to Jesus, and you don't gather with Christian believers, it brings up a very big question mark for me. Not that we welcome all those on live stream and for various health reasons can't be here, but if you think you can be a lone Christian, Without the people of God, I think you're mistaken. Secondly, uh, worship, fellowship, because we sing to one another, but we sing and make music in your hearts to the Lord. Spirit-filled Christians have, a, we might say, they have a song in their hearts. They delight to joyfully celebrate God's mighty acts in public worship. It's exuberant worship. Thanks, Nigel. We'll come out to play the drums. Our drummer wasn't able to make it this morning. And we thought some of these songs, and um, I'm assuming he just came up, spontaneous, full of the spirit, right, he was, (laughs) picking up the, whatever those things are, and he hit the drums. (laughs) The sticks, that's what they are, they're sticks. I just thought, there must be a nicer name than sticks, right? There must be drumsticks. (laughs) there's something about want to be there and to sing and to have all instruments play and the voices go. Follow the Spirit leads to worship. Because you know what it says, worship says, God, you are most supreme. God, you are most glorious. God, we just want to tell you how much we love you. And that leads to gratitude, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus. You see, the grumbling spirit is not compatible with the Holy Spirit. Grumbling was one of the ongoing sins of the people of, uh, of Israel in the Old Testament. Grumble, 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 and God came in judgment upon them. But there's something about the spirit-filled believer. Sure, we go through difficulties, and Father's Day may be a tough day for you today. An extremely tough day. And we're not saying you can't be sad and you mourn and lament the loss of maybe a father or a son or a brother or whatever happens to be. But there's gratitude to God for all that he has given you. You don't have a grumbling spirit, but a joyful spirit. Friends, I've come across some people who's just like, any time you do anything, someone does a good job, they always find some reason to complain about something. Just give each other a break. <laughs> Rejoice in a good thing. We won't make... Nothing we do is perfect. Full of the spirits. And submission. And the expression that I've said here is submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. The NIV, unfortunately, starts a new paragraph in verse 21 and translates it as an imperative, submit to one another. In fact, it's what they call a present participle dependent on the command to be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit, and therefore you do all the other things, including submitting to one another. Sometimes people think they have the Holy Spirit and they're aggressive, they're self-assertive, they're brash, they're arrogant, this is the way we must do it. But there's something about the Spirit of God that gives you a surrendering spirit to others, that you submit to others, you learn from others, you grow together with others. You don't always have it your way. It's not self-assertion. It's self-submission that matters. And you know that when you gather with other Christian believers and you just have this beautiful, soft heart willing to engage and to learn and to grow together. Fellowship, worship, gratitude and submission. Finally, one final illustration. As I said, there's probably about two, two or three situations where I've been in a place where I've just since the Spirit of God has just empowered me. And maybe you've had this experience today. And everyone knows about my Tarot New people may not know there's new people here. They mock me because I shop at Tarakash. Uh, and some of my illustrations about how God seems to be present in Tarakash, like, no other place as I I walk into the place full of the Holy Spirit. And I was at Morling College uh, a few years ago, and um, we had a preaching conference that I helped organize, by the way, and I got bored, so I left, and I walked down to the Macquarie Center. It was just the electives in the afternoon. Don't don't tell the college. Uh, So... So it's the afternoon, we had the lectures in the morning, I didn't want to do any of the electives, so I went down for a bit of a walk, have a bit of a break, you know, refreshing in God or something like that. And you just browse some shops, so I just went to see if there had any half price shirts in Tarakash, you don't buy full price, Uh, just wait for the sales. And I walked in and I got into a conversation with a girl and um, ended up being Serbian and uh, background, hadn't been in church for a while, and uh, I said to her, where do you live And she went, you know, she's in Macquarie Center, I didn't want to mention, you know, it's in the West, don't worry, no one's heard of it. And uh, and God put the word Bonnie Rig in my mind, and I said, you don't live in Bonnie Rig, do you? (laughs) I in her eyes. How did you know that? No one's even heard of Bonnie Rig up here in Macquarie Park. I said, it's okay, God told me. (laughs) He did, he put it in my mind. I know a lot of servants live in Bonnie Rig. i got some friends out that way. And she said, it's interesting. He said, what do you do? I said, oh, I'm a Baptist pastor, and I've just been up at a conference at the Morning College. I always throw it in the Baptist thing and the colleges and ministers, see where it goes. He said, I can't believe it. I haven't been to church for a while, she said, and my youth pastor rang me just last night to see how I was going. And today he sends another pastor in, into the store. God does these things, right? We believe in the sovereignty of God and the providence of God to, to work. And we talked about Jesus and talked about forgiveness and why she hadn't been to church, why she was running from God, some of the hurts in her life. But there was another, another woman there working with her and, and she came in and she'd had a Christian background as well and, but hadn't been to church for a long time. We talked about suffering and struggle and, and abuse and some of the things that maybe they'd been through. And every so often because I'm feeling guilty that I'm taking their time, I, I'm looking around to see if any, um, anyone, any other customers are in, coming in. And they looked at me after 30 minutes and said, you're trying to escape these two crazy girls, are you? With all the questions. No, no, I'm happy to answer as many questions for as long as possible. I just don't want, I want to see if any customers are coming in. No customers. 30, 40 minutes. In this place where, in the encounter with these people who are struggling with faith, but speaking the truth of God's love and God's forgiveness. I tell you, I didn't want to leave that place. Because once, you, I know I will never see them again. But God gave, us, gave me, in a sense, that divine appointment for that 40 minutes to speak of God's love. And I pray that somewhere, even as I say it today, I can pray, as, and you can pray, that God may have led them, or even today lead them into a church, into a Christian fellowship. And maybe God used that encounter to stimulate them. I will never know, maybe in heaven. It doesn't matter if I never know. But God knows, and he wants to use you and he wants to use me, filled with the Holy Spirit, to play our part in bringing good news to the lost. Let me pray. Lord, we do pray for ourselves this morning that we would be filled with the Holy Spirit, completely surrendered to you, delighting in you, loving you, serving you, in true authentic fellowship and worship, with gratitude and submission. Lord, fill us with your Spirit. Help us not to be those who grieve the Holy Spirit, but those who surrender to the Holy Spirit, who walk in step or in line with the Holy Spirit, as your word says, who are transformed by your Spirit, that we would have the mind of Christ, the heart of Christ, that our minds would be focused on the kingdom of God, and his work, and seeing men and women, boys and girls, come into relationship with him. Lord, we thank you that we receive the filling from your Spirit. And we invite you to do that for the glory of your name. Amen.